Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Buyers are becoming smarter, becoming more informed, and demanding much, much more before selecting a vendor, really a partner, to do business with. And with this, targeted account-based marketing has become increasingly important as companies try to cut through the noise and differentiate themselves from their competition. We've all heard ABM, ABS, even ABX, but what does it all mean and how do we leverage a targeted marketing approach to accelerate deals and win and win more often? In this episode of the Revenue Engine podcast, I'm joined by Christina Jalamillo, a longtime marketing pioneer and currently the president and partner at Personal ABM, where we discuss this and so much more. Please take a listen and learn the do's and don'ts of ABM. So super excited to be here today with Christina Jalamillo, the president and partner at Personal ABM, a firm dedicated to account-based enablement that focuses on the entire customer journey to help drive more revenue. So welcome, Christina, and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me, Rosalind. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so happy that we're able to finally do this. I know we've been trying to get together, so really appreciate your time. So let's talk a little bit about your firm. So you started your firm, Personal ABM, I think about 10 years ago. You know, many times when I talk to founders, the idea for their companies often started with a problem, right? Trying to solve a problem, trying to solve an issue. So can you share a little bit maybe about what led you to founding your firm and what that original vision was? Sure, absolutely. So originally we weren't, our name wasn't personal ABM, but we were pretty much doing the same thing, just different title. <laughs> yeah. What we had started was LinkedIn, a LinkedIn marketing firm because okay. we felt that marketing should be accountable for more than leads and brand awareness and the top of funnel kind of for traditional social marketing, at least at the time. And I, it's kind of gotten a little bit worse. We figured that, you know, it's, we saw that it spoke to everyone and it's not really influencing revenue as it really could be. And we saw that was a great opportunity. And a lot of marketing was failing to support sales cycles and customer conversations. And it's why I believe statistic that I read recently is that like close to 50% of sales team or sales teams close less than 50% of what they're forecasted. And Mm. it's why CSO Insights reported inability to communicate a competitive differentiation as the most painful or impactful barrier, impactful barrier to achieving success. And I think the challenge was mm. that competitive differentiation and the promised unique value has to be really relevant for the person and the account that you're mm. targeting. And it's really different from person to person, account to account, even within the same account, it can be different, you know, whoever you're talking to. So relevant value was what really what we saw. And we understood that if we helped leadership, we helped arm sales and marketing teams and account teams with the right profiles and the messaging and content that's going to have these personal insights that create real conversations that can lead to pipeline and revenue growth rather than like wasted time or, you know, churn or just filling the funnel and not anything coming through. So it's the beginning we focused on 
real key objective sales, marketing, and account management teams want. Um, and we focus on and still continue to the accounts that are the most going to be the highest revenue achievable for the organization that we really have come together as an as an organization and said that we want to win. So you have the opportunity to work with many different companies. I know across all of B2B sales, you know, SaaS, technology, I think even a lot in supply chain as well. So what mm-hmm. are some of the things that, you know, you've seen companies really do right and maybe some of the things that they're doing wrong when it comes to driving that net new revenue? Yeah. So I know, you know, a lot of organizations tend to do this. I've seen a lot. I even have spoken to a lot of CMOs that are doing this. A lot of them are driving or trying to drive net new revenue growth by relying so, solely on technology. And I know it's something because we're always anxious and we get pushed to scale, <laughs> scale growth. And I think that people are kind of doing it backwards and they're making technology investments first and then having the strategy to support it where it should be the technology supports that strategy and kind of just amplifies the execution of it. And I think a lot of people are equating account-based marketing, account-based sales, account-based everything, whatever keyword they're using with account-based technology. And I think, you know, we're missing a really big opportunity. It's just one piece of the puzzle and it's really one of the smallest pieces. And I think it should be one of the last things that you put in after you've already kind of tested, tweaked and reiterated and everything. Like, for example, I was talking to a CMO at a, a channel sales company. And I actually shared this conversation a couple of times on my own podcast. And, you know, they talked about, I said, you know, what does your account-based strategy look like? What is your account-based marketing program? And she started rattling off, you know, we use Sixth Sense, we use uh, Terminus, mm-hmm. uh, we're a case study for Sixth Sense. And, I, you know, I was, you know, it's great. And I think the case study says that you're using the platform correctly and you're getting great results, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing anything more than account-based awareness, account-based advertising. And getting deeper into that conversation, I really noticed that she was challenged to go up market and go up those six-figure deals. They were kind of hovering around six, right up below six-figure deals. And they were constantly losing to their comfortable, safe choice, something that was really easy for other people to go to because they were a bigger name. And that in this case, they were competing with Salesforce. So mm-hmm. if you have to def- compete against Salesforce, you better give a really strong reason. But that's, I think, what people are kind of doing is I think they're, yeah, relying solely too much on tech. And another thing is that organizations that are driving results with net new revenue are the ones that are really aligned on their target accounts and the human buyers within those accounts. So instead of relying just on intent data, we're seeing, you know, peeling back the layers of what's going on in that company. So why is their intent in the first place? What's the bigger picture? What's the bigger challenge or problem that they're trying to solve? And I think when you do that, you can figure out that intent and uncover what strategic priorities they're putting in place to achieve these goals. And that way you can kind of speak to unconsidered gaps that maybe they haven't um, thought about where you can fill in those gaps. And you, so you can impact their business, not just maybe in one di- way or one division, but you can impactful it, impact it through operations, finance, the different teams, and maybe even customers. So unfortunately, if, when you're not enough teams are investing in these account profiles and these account plans, And it's really become going back to scaling, reaching more people and becoming about campaigns and touches versus those personal one-on-one really relevant interactions that are going to, you know, drive deals, especially when you have those six, seven figure deals. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love, I love how you started with the technology because I think a lot of companies, you know, people are always attracted to that shiny new object, right? They think, oh, I have a problem, so I'll buy a piece of tech and it will solve it, right? Which we both know is never the case, right? I mean, system is the very last piece of it. It's just to enable your strategy, enable your process, enable, you know, the data to be flowing through that system. But yeah, I think, and then we end up with this incredible tech debt, right? We buy all these technology, we're not realizing the value, you're not getting the information through the systems that you need, and you still have the same problem that you started with. So that's great. I love that. So always yeah, important. And you're magnifying it now. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think always important, but I think especially, you know, coming out of a year like last year, right? I think organizations continue to need to look for ways to really retain and grow, right? Their existing customer base. I think we all know that, you know, it obviously costs a lot more, less to, you know, grow within your customer base and to acquire a net new customer, right? It's difficult. So I think from, from your perspective, what are um, some of the critical things that companies should be really doing today to protect and expand revenue within their customer base? Yeah, you're right. I think this has been amplified to like the 10th degree, you know, the last year and a half, two years. If you're not already doing it, you have to make sure that sales, marketing, and customer success teams are kind of working together as one. So almost like a three-legged race, because I think too many organizations are focusing on the net new, that customer success teams are kind of left to their own devices. So they're either left with making up their own conversations and maybe not necessarily having the right conversations to expand retained counts. So, you know, typically what we've seen is that a lot of customer success teams are talking about activities completed, you know, just a list of activities, benefits provided. And it sounds very similar to selling conversation, but kind of like in the past tense. And if you want to make a decision maker or a VP or a C-suite actually retain, expand with you, you're going to have to make sure that you are talking to something that they care about and they don't care about these activities. It's one of those key reasons that 82% of B2B businesses are, our companies are either disengaged, indifferent, or actively looking to replace their vendors because they're not having the conversations that they really need to see. So it's great that you're impacting, you know, if, if you sell into sales departments, it's great that you're impacting sales, but how can you impact further than that? How can you have more of a reach, more of a business impact? How can you affect, affect my business vision as a whole? And another thing I think people are missing out is just like teams have an account plan to win maybe their tier one accounts that you know deliver the strongest revenue growth, really think that having a account plan and strategy for existing accounts is just as important, if not more important. Like you said, it is obviously more cost-effective to keep and expand clients, but we need mm -hmm. to map out how we're going to multi-thread and get engagement that we need to protect and expand accounts. Because what I've seen a lot is that, you know, we multi-thread for sales to make sure we can close that deal. But for some reason, that kind of philosophy or that mentality, strategy approach kind of drops by the wayside once they've signed an agreement and they've come on board. And it's just as important to continue it. It might not be as intensive a conversation and it might not be as often, but it has yeah. to exist so that they can say that you're really getting the value that we expected. We're deliver you're delivering on the value that we had you'd been promised. We're do doing even more so. So why you continue to work with us, why you continue to grow, expand with us, and maybe even get us to other business units within your organization. If you're working with these, you know, humongous organizations that have different business units that you can get into, but maybe only working in a really small percentage to validate that 
you need to stay multi-threaded. And I think that's something that for some reason or another, it kind of drops off post-sale. Yeah. Yep. Incredibly important, right? Because it's driving that value, making sure, like you said, that they're realizing the ROI. Why did they actually buy? And are they really realizing that? And, you know, with the market, the way it is with people leaving companies and joining other companies, it's very, you can very quickly lose sort of those champions, those folks who were part of that buying process within your sales cycle. And all of a sudden you're left with you know, if you're not doing that surround sound and talking to more folks in, within the organization, all of a sudden you're looking at folks who have no idea why they even purchased your product and it's very easy to churn. So let's talk a little bit about the market itself, right? Buyers are becoming smarter. They're becoming more informed and they're, frankly, they're just demanding much more, right? From the vendors of choice. Targeted account marketing has become increasingly important as companies really try to cut through that noise and differentiate themselves, right? From the competition. So you've been doing this for a long, long time. So, you know, what have you seen in the market, right? In terms of trends around ABM and how has it really evolved and where do you see it going? Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting that you say that I have been around before ABM tech was even a thing. So it's interesting <laughs> how it has changed in the last couple of years, but there's always going to be new technologies, new trends. And it's always, you know, I think the last year it's been, so it's account-based sales, account-based marketing, account-based everything. So it's ABX, <laughs> but whatever you call it, I don't think it's necessarily different. I think it's pretty much all the same, but I don't really think that it's evolved. If anything, the last year or so, or maybe even longer, we kind of took some steps back. Hmm. We're getting away from what ABM was meant to be, which is a business growth strategy and not like a campaign or not another flash in the pan, shiny yeah. object to do and move on to the next. I think we need to get back to thinking of it as a growth strategy of how we're going to win, how we're going to protect and how we're going to expand. What is it? 20% of accounts that are going to deliver 80% of your revenue today and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And Really, what I've seen trend-wise change is maybe new technologies, you know, with the gifting platforms and the account-based advertising and awareness, but it's pretty much all the same marketing as usual, just maybe more targeted. So there's at least that. So mm -hmm. what basically in essence is we're marketing to accounts rather than really doing ABM. And I've seen mm -hmm. a couple of reports the last year or so from Tech Target, ITSMA, said about two thirds or like 66% of ABM programs are underperforming. And I think it's for a couple of reasons, but I really hope that ABM moves towards changing those interactions that these GTM teams are having with the key accounts and the experiences that we deliver as marketers, as salespeople, as a company. And I'm hopeful that we're going to get there because I'm seeing that, you know, chief marketer, chief marketing officers, VPs, heads of marketing at like organizations at Longbow Advantage, DigiSuite, Unifor, you know, and LinkedIn, we've been having conversations with organizations like this about applying that more personal layer, personal relevance to account-based approach so they can get greater stage progression, quicker sales cycles, greater deal sizes, really so they can penetrate business units. And I think companies are seeing that ABM or account-based everything cannot just be that one-to-many or one-to-few approach. And that mm -hmm. personalization is not enough. There's really that difference there. We need to increase our personal relevance mm -hmm. and become obsessed with our existing and future customers. And when I mean one-on-one, I don't say, you know, you have a targeted landing page for that company. Mm -hmm. That could be part of it. What I mean one-to-one, -one, you're talking to Rosalind and what's mm -hmm. important to her and her division and what's important to her and her role and what's important to her as part of her organization as a whole. Because there's so many different things that matter to you. 
versus mm-hmm. someone that you uh, work with in another part of the organization or even in your own team. Everyone's got their own KPIs. So the more right. relevant I can get to you as an individual, the stronger that conversation is going to be. And, and you can kind of notice the difference. Got it. Yep. Super important. Um, so let's shift gears and talk about one of my favorite topics, revenue operations. Right. I think, as you know, I'm a big believer about, you know, that really RevOps is a key differentiator, right? And helping drive that revenue engine, bringing deals in faster, which is all what we all want bigger deals, faster. And I know you're a big believer in aligning business strategy to the customer journey. How do you see revenue operations really playing into this? And what advice do you have, you know, that you give organizations around leveraging RevOps to really drive their targeted? marketing strategy. Yeah. Well, I think people need to step back and kind of think for a second, greater revenue does not necessarily, or most of the time doesn't mean greater, creating greater demand because it's not necessarily, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So despite what leadership sales marketing t- <laughs> tell you, the more demand you have is not going to necessarily lead more gre- greater revenue. What we need to do is capture, create and capture and optimize the demand along the buyer's journey. So We, as I mentioned before, marketing needs to extend their influence beyond just the pipeline. So it's great to fill top of funnel, but there's a huge difference and discrepancies that we're seeing between pipeline numbers and actual revenue and actual achieved revenue. We need to be looking at those fundamentals of revenue and looking for, you know, where are these leaks happening? Where are we missing? What is it is going on? Why are we not winning at certain, you know, parts of a deal or why are they collapsing at this particular juncture in the in the journey. You know, I think ABM is a great area for this and we need to one of the things I probably should have mentioned this as or tying back to your last question is where is ABM kind of evolved to and I think it should become account-based revenue. Mm. So, we can't really impact revenue if we're not looking for the gaps that revenue gaps that we have that we can fill and kind of plug them up. And RevOps can really play an awesome and crucial role with this. I think they can help these go-to market teams uncover gaps and revenue leakages and kind of stop them before they get any bigger. And they can put processes in place to measure the impact that ABM or account-based strategies have on revenue KPIs. So based on what I have seen, you're more into RevOps than I am. You know, you eat, breathe, and drink RevOps. What (laughs) role do you think that maybe... I like to see your take on it just to see if maybe what we could do is on marketing side to help RevOps. Yeah, no, I I love that. And I do think that what you're talking about about the alignment, getting those data, getting the insights into what is actually working and what's effective. I think that's the part where I think a lot of companies go wrong, right? With revenue operations, they look at it as Mm -hmm. sort of a tactical function to implement systems, make sure that everything's working properly, you know, and kind of be those order takers, if you will, versus being really involved in the strategy and understanding how it's supposed to work and then doing some of that A be testing and really helping the marketing organization see what is working and what's not, right? Setting up the right KPIs, measuring those, and then continuously looking for improvement in those processes to start to improve even incremental changes. And I love the way what you were saying is not all, you know, having more demand does not necessarily equal more revenue. I was having a conversation about this recently about how if we have a you know, revenue problem, then we stuff the funnel, right? We just want to get more and more at the top of the funnel versus really, really looking at the entire journey and figuring out where are the right points in the journey that we should be tweaking or adjusting or doing more of or doing less of 
to drive that, you know, drive the customer or the buyer through sort of that journey to where we need them to go in the deal cycle. So yeah, super, <laughs> super interested, passionate, definitely about RevOps. Christina, do you want to talk a little bit about how your company really helps drive a lot of this and how you help your customers, you know, with their targeted marketing strategy? Yeah. Would love to hear more of that, especially with your, you know, your background and just your expertise in this area. Sure, sure. So I, what we do is we help increase teams relevance across the buyer's journey instead of thinking about marketing sourced revenue. I, I know this goes against a lot of experts that, you know, you see on LinkedIn or you see across the board, but I'm really not care. I don't really care personally about the source of the opportunity. I care about how it progresses to close because I think that revenue goals should be everyone's goals. It shouldn't be sales goals. It shouldn't be rev ops goals only. It should, it should be marketing. So marketing should be just as culpable of forward hitting revenue numbers. I mean, obviously it's not going to be the same number, but they should have a number that they have to hit as well. You know, one of the things that we do is we focus on those 20% of accounts, like I mentioned, that are going to deliver about 80% of your revenue. And what we do is we learn instead of, I think when people start ABM, they go big and then they try to go back to the one-to-one. We start with one-to-one first to try to perfect it and, you know, see what's working, what's not on a smaller scale. So if you mess up, it's almost on a smaller scale. If you do really well, it's on a smaller Mm -hmm. scale, and then you can figure out how to grow it. And that's why it's part of the reason we say that ABM tech should be like one of the last pieces you put into play. I think a lot of these teams are rushing to do the one-to-many, one-to-few, but again, just marketing as usual. So we're pushing out messages and, and you know, not changing sales and marketing motions. And that's why I think starting with one-to-one can be so impactful. And then you can mm-hmm. scale that because whatever you're doing in one-to-one, you're going to create or get so much more insights and, re- and relative information or relevant information that's going to be able to be influenced. And I think getting back to what you were saying about reworking KPIs, we really make sure that we're aligning with sales, business, and revenue objectives and apply strategies to fix the revenue leaks. So we're not just net new revenue. We also focus on protecting and expanding. And we Mm want to make sure that, you know, like you said, if you fill the funnel, it's still going to be, it'll be overflowing. But if none of them come and trickle down to revenue, then what's the, you know, they're just going to, we're basically pumping more into the top. So it's just going to churn anyway. So you're spinning your wheels in sand. So you really have to figure out where those little gaps are that you can figure and uh, can be fixed. That's why you have to really work so closely with sales and business development, customer success teams, and especially RevOps, because they're going to know exactly what's going on and where you can get tweaked. And like you said, just a little bit, small incremental growths. If Mm -hmm. everyone makes a small step forward in the right direction, it's going to add up to a bigger, and then you'll, you'll be able to go as a team to the next goal and the next KPI. So if you're reworking your KPIs to align with multiple departments of, you know, who are customer facing and, and prospect facing, it's really going to help. And that's, that's what we'd like to help our organizations that we work with so they can achieve their goals. Yep. Yep. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think what somebody used the analogy of the leaky bucket, you know, they talked about if you continue to have have a bucket and just continue to fill it and it's leaking, it's just con- going to continue to flow out of there. So totally love that. So as I think about really the revenue engine, you know, this podcast, I always hope that others are going to be able to learn some things to help accelerate the you know revenue growth and really power that revenue engine. So I think you've gone through a number of tips and a number of things that folks should be thinking about. But from your perspective, what are some of the top things I think marketing that you think marketing should be thinking about, right, and doing to successfully help to drive revenue? 
Are there maybe like one or two things that you're like, hey, you should be thinking about this today and do this now? (laughs) Absolutely. I think a lot of people tend to say, oh, you know, we're, I either get one or two things when I talk to people. We're really siloed from sales and we know it and it's really hard. They don't want our help. We don't want to give it to them or we're really aligned. But if you're not really aligned, like you say you are, you have to take a step back. Are you as a marketer, are you in sales calls so you can get those in for insights, those valuable insights? Are you in pro, um, customer calls so you're getting the insights so that you can write about them? Because I'm sure, you know, if one if one of your customers is having a challenge or is experiencing great success, I'm sure there's multiple ones that you can either write a case study on or write an article on or whatever it is just to, to fuel your efforts. But being aligned with them doesn't mean you're checking in quarterly because that's not alignment. It has okay. to be on a monthly basis. And I'm talking leadership here. I'm not obviously sales reps and SDRs and BDRs can't be meeting with the CMO, but the, the, the head of sales and whoever's running marketing really need to be moving almost like they're one unit as much as possible to support the sales conversations as opposed to where, you know, marketing loves to play and has been traditionally thought of as brand awareness and lead gen. We really have to evolve past that in order Mm -hmm. to be culpable for revenue, because if we stay in that position, we're never going to, um, you're never going to really evolve to being influential on revenue. And I think that is where the future of marketing is going to be. And it's going to be more and more important as we go on. I love that. I love that. I think that's so, so incredibly true and powerful. Thank you. So are there things that maybe you wish you knew earlier or maybe you would have done differently if you could do it all over again? Yeah, I like I like that question because I don't really think of it as much as I probably should. But as a firm, we focused really too much on the top of the funnel and the pipeline for way too long for ourselves, for our clients. And if I had to do it over again, or if I could give advice to myself a couple of years ago or someone starting out, I would really tell them to focus exclusively on the middle and the bottom of the funnel or the buyer's mm-hmm. journey. You know, it's especially with ABM, account-based everything, whatever you're actually, whatever acronym you're giving it. I really found that it's the greatest impact, but gets the least attention is this middle and bottom of the funnel and journey. And I, I really think that that is a really great place to, to put your effort on and, you know, most companies, for the most part, if you're a well-oiled marketing machine, you've got demand down. You've got the top of funnel down for majority of companies. Obviously, there's always more work and improvement to be made. But middle of the bottom of the journey, that's where the money really is. And that's where the deals are either happening or falling through the cracks or becoming stale or stalled. And we need to figure out why that is. So that's what I would tell my younger self. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So as we sort of wrap up, I always ask two things about all for all the guests. One is what is that one thing that, you know, some that one thing about Christina that others would be surprised to learn? And two, what is that one thing that you want everyone to know about you? You know, the surprise to learn, I don't know if I can necessarily tie it back to business, which I probably should, but it just <laughs> came to mind really quick. When I was in college, I worked at the Walt Disney World Resort in Magic Kingdom on Main Street. I don't oh, know if anyone's wow. familiar, but there's a big store in Walt Disney World in Florida on the you know left-hand side of Main Street <laughs> that sells all this merchandise. And I worked there for like eight months and it was hell and fun and exciting <laughs> all at the same time. So if someone is interested, I have tons of stories to share on that. So that's something that most people don't really know about me because I don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> It was fun. And one thing that I really think I want people to know about me is that, you know, if you want to reach out to me and talk to me, I'm always open. But if you don't make it relevant to why 
it would benefit you, why it would benefit me and why we should connect, then it's going to be a lot. Whether that's email, LinkedIn, whatever way you try to get to me, think of it, put yourself in my shoes. We all have really busy lives and schedules. If you don't make it relevant for both of us and why it's mutually beneficial, then it's going to be really hard to, to open up that door of conversation, even if it's just to have a conversation, let alone a sales conversation. So I think salespeople could also think or two about that, but that's yeah. another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So thank you so much for joining me, Christina. I'm so glad that we finally got, got together and had a chance to have this conversation. You know, it's been just such a pleasure to chat with you. And I'm just very, very thankful for your time and for sharing all of your insights and expertise. Oh, no problem, Rosalind. I had a lot, a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me. I appreciate it. Thank you.